Well, a couple of weeks ago when Chris asked me uh, about speaking and I started praying about what it would be, the subject that came to mind is going to involve some response from you. So you need to be prepared because there are some places where I'm going to ask you to identify where God is working and where God wants to work. And I think he did that because he knew this was a long weekend. And it's easy on long weekends just to kind of start tuning stuff out. So I want you to stay involved. And then a few weeks ago when he kind of identified for me the subject, the subject that I'm speaking on today is courage. I didn't think about it being the weekend of Memorial Day. But I want to share with you today from Courage, the main passage I'm going to use will be in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll kind of reference that in a few other things. But when you think of courage, obviously, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is the scariest movie of all time and the cowardly line. Because I can identify so much with them because when those wing bats start coming, I'm under the table. So a lot of times when it comes to courage, we think of situations like that. But more often than not, if you're given one of those, first thing that comes to your mind test on courage, you think of things like firefighters or you think of policemen. You think of people uh, that daily have to put their lives on the line and there's preparation that they have to do for those moments of courage. Or because it is the weekend of Memorial Day service, We may think of those who have served. The other night, Josh and I were watching uh, Flag of Our Father, which is a story about the battle at Iwo Jima. And as those boats were coming in that were going to let their tails down and and the soldiers were going to storm off, I just thought about the courage that it would take. They had had training. They had had preparation. But here's the moment. There's a lot of unknown factors Uh, a lot of danger out there, and the courage that it would take to step off and go and do what you've been trained to do. A couple of quotes about courage. Courage is is not the absence of fear, but the acquired ability to move beyond fear. For what God is equipping you to do, for what God has called you to do, It doesn't mean we're not going to be nervous. It doesn't mean we're not going to have doubts. It doesn't mean we're not going to have questions. But he gives us the ability to move beyond that. In the passages that we're looking at today in 2 Timothy, he says, I don't give you a spirit of fear and timidity. I give you a spirit of courage that's characterized by love, by uh, power, by a sound mind, power from the Holy Spirit, power to love, power to have grace, power to give, power to serve, love, love not just for those that are around us, but love for our enemies, a sound mind that in the midst of chaos and turmoil, we have clarity. If you've ever been to an event like Mardi Gras or a sporting event that kicks off late at night where people can partake all during the day, there are a lot of times there is chaos all around, and if you don't, partake, you have clarity in the midst of that. You're pretty sure nobody's going to capture you on a phone and then post you on the internet for all the world to see. You have clarity. And God tells us in those situations, of cur- He will give us not a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of courage characterized by power and love and a sound mind. Uh, a quote by Mary Ann Rodmacher says, Sometimes courage is a little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. 
whenever we undertake something that God calls us to do that requires courage, there's no guarantee there's going to be immediate victory. We may not even see the victory. Stephen was very influential in the life of Paul, and yet he didn't see the victory. A lot of times people dealing with stuff, it's failure, it's setback, but courage is the ability to continue on and to keep going. Now I want to show you one more picture about courage. And in this picture about courage, you got a bird on a whatever that is, some kind of reptile's nose. Because I want to make there is a something we need to understand, and that is the difference between courage and stupidity. Okay, there's a difference between courage and stupidity. Now, sometimes in courage, you have to, in a life or death situation, you have to act in a situation where you don't have training, you don't have experience, you've never been there before, but it's life or death, and you've got to immediately react. But normally, in situations where courage is required, military, police, emergency room, uh, doctors and nurses, there's years of repetitious training. Uh, there's learning that goes on. There are procedures that you go through and you repeat. Sometimes it probably seems tedious and pointless. But it's so when that opportunity for courage to exhibit it arises, you're ready to react. Now, let's take me, for instance. Okay, if I was going to go jump out of an airplane, now I'm scared of, of tremendous heights. I'm not scared of going up a ladder or going on a roof. But if I had to go up here and start working on the lights... Or if I had to go up several stories, there's a fear that I have. Because there's a little voice that comes out and it starts calling me over the edge. It says, come on closer. Come look. Look down there. Wouldn't it be nice to fly and all? And I just feel I'll go over there and look. The, the, whatever there, the barrier is going to give way and I'm going to be flying. So whenever it places like that and looking, I'm kind of back here. And they'll say, oh, don't you want to come up closer and see? I'm good. It looks good from here. Uh, it's nice. So for me to jump out of an airplane, that would take a lot of courage. What would be stupid for me to decide to do that and find a friend that flies and say, hey, I'm going to give you a couple hundred dollars, take me up, I don't know, 10, 15,000 feet, whatever. And uh, I've ordered a chute and a helmet over the Internet. I watched some little uh, video on Yahoo, and, man, I'm ready to go. That would be stupid of me to do. It wouldn't, even though courage would involve stepping out, it would be courage surrounded by stupidity. What would be wise for me to do was to go through a... <coughs> A training process where I get with an instructor, he goes through step by step what to do, what to happen in emergency situations. Let's make sure we got this on. Let's go through this a second time. Let's go through this a third time. Tell you what, better yet, instructor, how about I just be strapped to you and you jump? So there would be some courage involved, but I have made preparation for that situation. And that's how God works in our life. He works in our life where there's kind of a combination of courage that involves preparation, little steps that we have to do, those daily personal disciplines that are so important that we battle and we struggle with. And as we go through this message, I want you to think about what personal disciplines that sometimes you struggle with. Because for us to ever be able to jump, we got to get a handle on those personal disciplines. Think about the importance of daily obedience to Christ, daily personal holiness, and think about where you struggle. Because for us to be prepared to jump, we've got to be daily disciplined in obedience to God in our lives. 
So that preparation has got to come because God is preparing us for a moment of courage, a moment of leap. Our life may face several of those moments, but he's preparing us for a moment. And if we don't do those daily steps of discipline and obedience, we're not going to be ready. But the interesting thing about Christianity is when he takes us to that point and he wants us to jump, sometimes there are going to be other people. Sometimes we ourselves may tell ourselves, this is stupid. Yeah, we've done preparation, but this is stupid. You can't do this. This is impossible. You don't have the ability. You don't have the training. This is going to take too much of a life adjustment. This is going to be too big potential risk or cost. You're going to have to move all the way over there. You're going to have to change stuff. You're going to have to swallow your pride. It's going to be too hard and too difficult, and other people are going, you're crazy. Why are you doing this? You just need to do a little bit of it and let somebody else do more. You don't need to do it all. And people are not going to understand. Sometimes you yourself may not understand. Henry Blackaby, in his great book, if you've never done, you ought to do it sometime, Experiencing God, Knowing the Will, the doing the will of God, he refers to this point as the crisis of belief. He refers to it, and now listen to this, because every one of you as a follower of Christ should come to these points, and there may be a big one. He refers to it as the crisis of belief. He refers to it as the major turning point in following God's will. When God invites you to join him in his work, he will always have a God-sized assignment for you. An assignment that's too big for you, that you can't do, that you don't have the background, the training, the time, the ability, the finances, the resources. And if God doesn't help you, you will fail. You cannot do it on your own. This is the crisis of belief when you decide whether to believe God for what he wants to go through with you, through your life, or whether you're going to believe what other people say and maybe what you think. It's the crisis of belief. And a lot of times people go, I just don't see God working and moving in my life. Well, it's because of one of two reasons. One, you're not doing the personal disciplines and the obedience so you can hear and get to that point of crisis of belief, or God brought you to that point and you stepped back. It's too hard. It's too difficult. There's too much here. And the thing is, you're going to miss what God has in store for you if you step back and if you're not willing to jump. Look at a few people in Scripture that got to these points. You think of Moses. Now, a lot of times we just read through the story, but it took a whole lot of courage when God said, take this stick and throw it down, and it's going to become a snake. When he says, take this stick and put it in the water, and the water's going to turn to blood. Take this stick and put it in the water, and the seas are going to part. That took a whole lot of courage. That's a crisis of belief where he could say, eh, let's just step back. Things aren't so bad here in Egypt. We'll just start our small Bible study groups, and we'll transform things from within here in Egypt. And God says, no, that's not the plan I got for you. And he has to decide whether he's going to trust God and follow or stay where he's at. And his decision doesn't just impact him. And your decision to follow God or to step back never just impacts you. It impacts those around you. Think about David and the decision to go and take on Goliath. Yeah, I've been out and, and, and 
tended my sheep, and I've done some rock practice, and I've hit some targets. But now I've got to go hit a train fighter who's really good throwing the spear, and I've got to get off this shot before he throws it, and I've got to hit a target maybe about this size between his uh, armor, and I've got to put him down. Think about the faith that it took to go out instead of just stepping back. And there's a lot of trained soldiers here. They can handle this. They can do this. When I get bigger, when I get older, I'll step up and do it. Think about Daniel. Just pray at a different time, Daniel. Pray at a different time. No, everybody's going to understand. They're going to say, you don't want to get thrown in the lines then? Pray at a different time, out of sight of everybody. Everybody will be cool with that. But he doesn't. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just bow down, guys. Just bow down. Everybody will understand. They see how hot the furnace is. Nobody's going to blame you. They know you're just going through the motions. You don't really mean it. Everybody will understand. And yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego give a great response in Daniel. They say, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves. If we are thrown in the furnace, our God is able to receive us. But even if he does not, we will not serve your gods. They come to that crisis of belief when they step over and trust in God in an impossible situation or they could step back. They step forward. And not only does God deliver them in a miraculous way and they get to experience something unbelievable, but then the God, their God is allowed to be worshipped in this pagan nation. And think about John the Baptist. Just hush up about Herodias. Shh. Just don't mention that. Just go on about your business. Think about the apostles. Guys that could have looked at their ability. We're just fishermen. We're tax collectors. We'll be deacons in the church. Don't ask us to go plant churches. We'll just teach Sunday school. We'll grill burgers. Don't ask us to go out and plant churches and preach and put our lives on the line. And yet they stepped out in that moment of crisis of faith. And the world was changed because they did. In the passage of Scripture that we're looking at today, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. And don't worry, i got a clock right in front of me, so we're all good. Um, in this passage of Scripture, it's a great passage of Scripture, because in this passage of Scripture, Paul is offering tremendous courage to Timothy, because Paul is at another crisis point of belief in his life. Paul has got plans to go to Spain. In Romans 15, 23, he says, But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since for many years I've longed to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. And in 15, 8, he echoes that. Paul is planning to go to Spain. He has traveled about 15,000 miles over land and sea. He's made three missionary journeys. He's preached in almost every major city in the area. And now it's time to do my lifelong dream. I get to go to a land, a fertile land, plant churches, share the gospel, see it go further. He is so looking forward to this. And in Titus, Paul shared how he planned to winter in, the, in Nicopolis, and so he set out for Rome in AD 64. And his plan was to rest there and to encourage the people in Rome and then to go on to Spain. But after being there just a short period of time, he saw very quickly that in Rome there was chaos. Somewhere around June, July, in the summer of that year, about half the city got set on fire and burned. Nero was probably responsible for that, so he needed somebody to blame for the situation. Ah, those Christians. And so he starts blaming the Christians and they start being arrested and tortured. And Paul sees the church in chaos 
And so he knows, as bad as he wants to go, his lifelong dream, his vision to go, this is where I want. God gives him the crisis of faith and says, you got to stay here. You can go or you can stay here. And in the midst of this chaos, minister and encourage to these people. So Paul stays, and as a result of his staying, Paul is soon arrested. And Paul is arrested, and many think he was put in the Mamertine prison, which is the last place that he was at and kept before his execution. But even while he's in prison, and in this prison he doesn't have the freedom that he's had in the past, he's probably not able to write and communicate as he's previously done in this prison setting, Paul's still looking for opportunities to encourage people. He's still demonstrating great courage. So he writes this letter to Timothy. Timothy, one who's reached out to encourage, in turn, Timothy has encouraged him. And this is a give and take here. He so wants to see Timothy to encourage him, but also because it is difficult to send large letters on parchment, he wants to get him face to face so he can tell him some things and prepare him for what's ahead. He understands this is a situation I may not get out of. And Timothy, you need to be ready to step up. And if you read through 2 Timothy, you read 2 Timothy chapter 2 where it talks about studying to be a, a workman approved unto God. You need to know what you believe and why you believe it. And you see later in 2 Timothy where it gives the order uh, that needs to be in church. He says, Timothy, you're going to be the one setting up order and guidelines and churches to make sure they don't get off track. And Timothy, this is going to take courage. So he writes him here, and he writes him, and in this letter he gives him great encouragement. He says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. He's saying, Timothy, I am regularly praying for you. I love you, I believe in you, and I'm praying for you. There is no greater encouragement in the world that you can give to people than praying for them and letting them know that you are praying for them. He says, recalling with tears, I long to see you so I may be filled with joy. He says, Timothy, yeah, I'm the guy that's written a lot and gone over the place, but Timothy, you give me joy seeing how God has worked in your life. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, and here comes the courage part, I remind you to, flan, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord when you're persecuted and those want to get you to step back from that. Don't be ashamed of your association with me and the things that I've written and taught. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Join with me in suffering, Timothy. And he's telling Timothy, You've got a moment. Of, I'm facing a moment of crisis, and when I did, I stayed here. And now, Timothy, you're about to face a moment where you can step back, stay where it's safe, stay with your small circles, or, Timothy, you can launch out and carry forth the work that I have began. In verse 12, he says, That's why I'm suffering as I am for the gospel. That's why you're going to suffer. Yet this is not cause for shame because I know whom I've believed. I believed in Jesus Christ, and I'm convinced he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. I'm convinced he can guard my soul. I am safe in him. I'm convinced the work that I've done that has began in your name, you will guard that, and you will grow that, and you will develop that. 
He is encouraging Timothy to have courage to go out and impact his world. So here's the part where you got to get involved. There's a little three-part thing I want you to see in that word right there, encouraged. There's a three-part step that God used to develop courage in Paul and Timothy, and he will develop courage in your life. The first thing is, go back just a second. The first thing is you see encouraged there. Because God has brought people into your life that have encouraged you. And we're going to identify some of those people. He brought those people into your life to encourage, who encouraged you for you to develop courage. For you to develop courage so when those crises of belief comes along, you step over and you don't step back. And then he has left you here to face those times of courage for you to encourage other people. So first of all, let's think about encouraged real quick. In um, 2 Corinthians, uh, second, uh, wrong passage, but uh, somewhere in the Bible, somewhere in the Bible, in uh, Acts chapter 9, uh, we hear, and, and you don't have this passage down here, this is actually the second one, but God reaches out to Paul. He reaches out to Paul there on the Damascus Road, and he smacks him and he knocks him down. And at that point, Paul's life is changed and his life is transformed. Now, what I want you to think about, I want you to write it down. I want you to identify it in your head. At what point in your life did God come along and smack you with the gospel and knock you down and change and transform your life? You've got to be able to identify a point in time. You don't have to know the day, the hour. I don't know that. I just know it was spring on my senior year in college. God came along and he smacked me and he said, you are not in relationship with me. I love you. I have a plan and purpose for you and your life. And I want you to receive my gift of salvation. So I want you to identify that point in time in your life when you came into relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you can't, the great news is, is today can be the day when you identify that you came to a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I want you to identify that. And not only do I want you to identify that, I want you to think about the people who encouraged you to that point. God used people to bring you to Christ. It may be friends, it may be neighbors, it may be uh, a, somebody at school, it may be a minister, but God used people who encouraged you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. With me, he used my mom who wrote me letters. He was praying for me all the time. He used Pastor Chris to live a transformed life in front of me that I could see what he was and what he became. God used people to bring you along. So I want you to think about who some of those people were that God placed in your life that pictured to you what it was or taught you or helped lead you and point you towards Jesus Christ and either write them down or think about them in your mind. And the reason I want you to do that is because I want you to understand God is at work and has been at work in your life. A lot of times we say, where's God at work? I don't see it. Go back and look and see how God was at work in your life, bringing you to relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe today he is working in your life to bring you to relationship in Jesus Christ. And here's the other thing I want you to write down or identify. And these are the passages uh, in Acts. After Paul came to relationship with Jesus Christ, in Acts chapter 9, verse 17, it talks about that Ananias came along. And Ananias was scared. He was afraid. He knew what Paul was. But 
God brought him along to encourage him. It says, Ananias went to the house, entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you as the road as you were coming fear has sent me so you may see again and be filled with the Spirit. And then in verse 19, it talks about local believers that were brought into his life. And taking some food, he regained his strength, spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. God brought people along that encouraged Paul. And then Paul went off for a time by himself just to get along with him and God, and God further encouraged him. And then in verse 26, we hear about the great encourager showing up in Paul's life. It says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Barnabas showed up when the apostles were scared to encourage Paul and introduce him to the disciples. And I want you to think, post-conversion, who are the people that God has put into your life right now, today, that have encouraged you this past week, this past month? Who are some of those people? I want you to understand God is active in your life, and he is working in your life to get you ready for that point of crisis of belief. So identify in your mind two, three, four people that God has put in your life and he has placed in there to encourage you. I can think of Mr. Tommy Putman, who demonstrated to me humility. I can think of Dan and Charles, who demonstrated to me what it meant to be a servant and do all those little things behind the scenes that nobody sees, but do them with excellence in the right spirit. I can think of Carrie Neal, who showed me what it was like to really pray for your children. People that God has brought into your life, maybe people you've never said a word to, but from a distance you've observed, but God has brought them there to encourage you and identify those people. Now here's the second thing. He has brought those people along who have encouraged you to develop courage in your life. With Paul, there were different believers along the way, but especially he used Stephen. And he used Stephen's testimony as he was being stoned to point Paul to Jesus Christ. At that moment, Paul didn't respond, but he could never get away from that testimony of Stephen and how Stephen faced death and the testimony that he spoke. And he did all that to help Paul develop courage. And if you look in in the 1 Corinthians, we hear about the courage that... Uh, was developed in the life of Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 23 through 28, listen to Paul's courage. I've worked harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move in danger from rivers from bandits, uh, fellow Jews, from Gentiles in the city, in the country, at sea, from false believers. There were a lot of times where Paul could have just stepped back and said, you know, I've done enough. I'm going to sit back, go find me a place, and I'm just going to write. I'm going to step back and just go disciple a small group of guys that will go out from here. I'm just going to spend some time with those churches that I've established. He could have stepped back, but but God kept bringing him to crisis of belief after crisis of belief after crisis of belief where he says, okay, you know, Paul, I know you don't see good. You can't really see where you're going. You're not in the best of health, but I got another church I want you to plant. I got another letter I want you to write. I got another group I want you to encourage. And here in our passage today, he said, I know this city is in chaos, and it would be a lot better and a lot safer for you to go on to Spain, but I want you to stay right here. And every time, Paul stepped to to that crisis, and he stepped across the line. So I want you to think right now, and this is the key one, 
I want you to think, first of all, to get to that point of crisis of belief, you've got to daily be doing the physical, you've got to daily be doing the spiritual disciplines. You've got to daily be personal obedient to God. So when you think of those day-to-day routine over and over preparations that you have to do, how are you doing? Where is God saying, if I'm going to get you to this point and you're going to step across this fear factor point, where have you got to step it up? Where are you doing good where you need to do better? Where have you become negligent with? Where have you, I I need you to do a little bit more. I need you to take on something. Where are you like, this has got to go if you're going to keep following me? And in your head, I want you to identify, let the Holy Spirit identify two or three of those areas and those personal disciplines and that life of obedience and holiness towards God that if you're going to be holy, if you're going to be obedient, if you're going to follow, here's some things that have got to change, that have got to be different. And let God identify those with you. And as he shows you those, I also want you to think about that crisis of belief. Has God brought you to that point? That if you're going to go further with God, if you're going to do what he has created you to do, what he has placed you here to do, what he has prepared you to do, are you at that point of crisis of belief where God says, it's time to step. It's time to step across. And there's a part of you that's afraid, that's fearful, because it means this friendship may have to change. Instead of letting them always influence me, i got to start being a positive influence on them. Maybe a relationship and a dating relationship's got to change because you go, you know, somebody, if I'm going to go where God wants me to go, this person can't be a part of it. And I'm talking about a dating relationship, not a marriage. But maybe in marriage, it's like, if I'm going to go where God wants me to go, here's some things that have got to change where I've got to spend more time, where I've got to have a different attitude, where I've got to have a different heart about things. And maybe it's career-wise. In a crowd like this, there's no reason that God's probably not calling somebody into missions or ministry. But a lot of times, this keeps us from doing that. But to follow God in that direction, we've got to be willing to step across that line. Maybe somebody in here, it's, it's an involvement in church. It's stewardship of resources. It's time, it's talent, it's ability. But you know you're at a point with God to go further. There's a line you have to step across, and you're afraid to do it. And God wants you to know, I did not give you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. It's time to step across. I want you to take a minute, if God's got you there, and identify it. Maybe he brought you to that point a few months ago, and you stepped back but identify where that is and then decide today what you're going to do with that. The last thing to identify is, as I mentioned, that point of crisis of belief, it never just affects you. It impacts other people. God wants you to be courageous because in you being courageous, it encourages other people. We're not going to look through the verses real quick, but in Paul's little group of letters, Ephesians, Philippians, uh, Galatians, and Colossians, in those verses, in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, Paul encourages those new church plans. He lifts them up, and because Paul encourages them and has courage and demonstrates that life of courage in front of them, those churches flourish and they grow. In Galatians, even when he's having to get onto the church for getting off track, he does it in an encouraging way, and they get back on track and they grow. God wants to use you in a way that impacts other people's lives. But that inquires that we be Christians, that we be followers of Christ who are courageous. That when we get to that point, we step across and we don't step back. Because when we step back, you miss a blessing of God using you and other people 
are impacted in a negative way. Even if God raises up other people to reach out to them, you still have taught them something. You've taught your wife, you've taught your children, you've taught your friends, you've taught your co-workers, you've taught them something about your faith when you step back. And when you step across and you're courageous, you teach them something about your faith. So I want you to think about who God has placed in your life that he wants you to step across that line and help them grow and mature and be challenged and be courageous spiritually as well. So as we come to this time of invitation, I want you to think about those three things. I want you to think about and I want you to be thankful for those who encouraged you. I want you to be thankful to God for reaching out to you and encouraging you and bringing you into a relationship with him. And if you've never done that, then take care of that today. I want you to think about that with a thankful heart. And then the second thing I want you to think about is I want you to think about courage. How are you doing in those little personal disciplines? How are you doing in a life of personal holiness so you're prepared and you see and you hear when that crisis of belief comes? How are you doing there? And if you need to change or do something differently, then where you're seated or come forward, commit to God, no more halfway, no more partial, no more convenient. God, I'm following you totally and completely. And if you've identified where that crisis of belief is, are you going to step across or are you going to step back? If it happened in the past and you step back, today you're going to repent and say, God, no more. I'm going to step across. Because as you grow as a Christian, God will absolutely 100% bring you to those points in time when he's asking you to do something that's beyond your ability, out of your comfort zone, that seems illogical, where you have to totally and completely trust in him. And when you do, other people see it and he's glorified. And as you come and you think about your decision, think about who God wants to use you to impact one way or the other. Impact them for Jesus Christ. Let's pray.